Hey everybody, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. Hey Calvin. And today we have Mark Solomon on as a guest. Um, if you don't know who Mark is, he's a musician and an author and a fellow podcast host. He was the singer of a band called Stavesacre. They were really like my favorite band growing up as a teenager. I would say without a doubt like the most influential band on my faith as a teenager. And um, I would just sit in my room for hours at a time reading through their lyrics. And um, I'm just like really humbled that he agreed to actually sit down with us today. Brother Mark. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Doing good. Mark, if, for people that don't know who you are, um, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> uh, well, my name is Mark Solomon. I'm still a musician. I still make music. But I, most people know me from the music that I've made over the years. I started off in a band called The Crucified in the in the mid 80s early 80s uh which broke up in the early 90s i was out of music for a little while came back to it in a band called stavesacre uh stavesacre was around for about 15 years at at which time i was doing all kinds of stuff just any chance i had to sing i just like singing so i would go and do it whatever even if it was something i'd never done I'm leaving out a few things, Outer Circle, probably um, most conspicuously, Native Son, a, a horrific solo record that I met, once made. That was, a, that was the rap identity project? Crisis. Yeah. People have identity crises in private all the time. Yeah. Uh, not often are they packaged and promoted. <laughs> it tends to linger. So, But, you know, man, it was the 90s. I, I blame everything on the 90s. I don't, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. I am very convinced of my conversion. It has nothing to do with what anybody else wanted me to do. I felt a compulsion and I followed it. Um, and I've, you know, I've had some ups and some downs. You know, some people upon conversion, they're they're right there. They're good. You know, some of us are a little more stubborn than others and need to grow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for myself, it took me a while. I mean, you know. Where, where the, the environment in which I grew up in was very much a dogmatic environment. I hate to say this without, I don't want to skewer anybody, but you know, we, I can't, I grew up in the evangelical movement in the, in the, you know, in the, in the late seventies, in the early eighties when I was a little boy. And, and there was just this total rejection of like that old way of doing things, man, you know, the stuffy churches and, you know, there was like, especially in California, there was like a huge outreach to the hippie community and uh, that sort of kind of gravitated towards the surfer community and, and all that in the 70s and the 80s. And Calvary Chapels is the church that I grew up under. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was it was huge in Southern California and very much very proudly non-denominational. That's what you hear all the time. We're non-denominational church. But unfortunately that became its own denomination as far as uh, every standard for which I would measure a denomination, Calvary Chapel became its own. And, you know, with that comes a lot of extra trappings and a lot of dogma sometimes. And uh, it took me a while to realize that that wasn't necessarily uh, healthy, <laughs> you know, and that, and to realize that the gospel and Christianity and faith in general is for simple, common people. And if there's confusion, if something doesn't make sense, 
there's probably an answer for it. And if you ask a question like, hey, what's this all about? And you don't get an answer. To me, that's a red flag. And that's what I got as I was growing up. You know, I just like I had questions and they weren't getting answered. So I had to find answers for myself. Um, and, you know, I had some great people that God put into my life in the process. Uh, Mark, did you grow up in like a Christian household? More or less. My parents were pretty heavy hellraisers uh, when I was a little kid. You know, 70s biker construction worker culture is pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, especially in, in Central and Northern California, you know. My dad was a, was a tough old bug. You know, but he, he actually was the first one to become saved in our family. And then my mom followed shortly after. And then so did I. And so from the time I was about nine or 10, I was raised in a Christian home before that very much not mm -hmm. that at all. You know, I have seen some shit, man, you know, but to a point where I feel like it gave me a little perspective later on in my life to the things that I thought actually mattered. So, you know, yes, I, I was raised in a Christian home once I became a Christian. All right, so it came, it came to Christ uh, when you were nine. Uh, what did your spiritual journey look like, you know, from, th from then on uh, through, like, adolescence and into adulthood? Well, I mean, I got in a lot of trouble uh, early on, <laughs> you know. I mean, especially as a junior high kid. I, I, was, I started school when I was four, not because I was smart, but just <laughs> because— in the 70s, no one really cared, and it was just like, get them in there, get them in there. And my birthday is January 13th, so I just ended up kind of fitting in this little bracket, and I ended up being the youngest and the smallest kid in every one of my classes all the way through high school. And as a result, what's already a pretty awkward time continued to be awkward, you know what I mean? I was never the dude who had it all figured out at school. I can tell you that. Yeah. You know, and especially when I mean when I graduated I was 17 years old and I had I had turned 17 during my senior year of high school. So you do the math, that's that's a pretty young kid experiencing a lot of things. And you know, I was an idiot. I mean, what do you want? You know. Yeah. Get, getting in trouble and I mean, I almost burned a school to the ground. Uh I was a lying sack of shit. I mean, like I lied all the time and uh, it took a long time. It took my dad having his heart broken by me for me to wake up to that, you know? Um, and I still like, I, I got stronger in my faith. I think when I was, you know, sophomore, junior in high school and I met all the guys in the crucified cause that was really helpful. A lot of good fellowship and things like that. But um, you know, you get out, you're in this controlled environment, right? And there's like velvet ropes everywhere. Do this, don't do that. Make sure not to do this. That way you'll never be tempted by this. You know, that sort of reasoning seems like a good thing at the time. Mm -hmm. But then when you're not in the velvet rope world, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just going everywhere. You know, it, 21 was rough, man. 21 was a rough time, you know. So it's been up and down. And I think by the grace of God, I still am walking the path. Do I learn something every day? Absolutely. Do I see ways that I've been wrong for so long every day? Yeah, pretty much. You know, my journey's like yours, man. 
because I'm pretty sure you guys don't have it figured out either, right? Oh, absolutely not. Day by day, <laughs> man. <laughs> day by day. One thing that happened in the in the '90s when when Stavesacre, which was you know those are my brothers, I I was really tight with those guys. Uh, we were in a band for, for 15 years, and we went to battle together all the time. Um, you go through things. And you have your eyes open, you know, and we left the country. We went to other countries, played in other countries, experienced other cultures and other other um, other cultures of Christian people. And and then experienced like every corner of this sta- United States. I mean, Stasaker toured incessantly for eight years. I've played in every state on the flag and a couple of the extra ones, you know. <laughs> We've been to Hawaii, played a couple shows. I was in Alaska, played a couple shows. I was all the continental, all that stuff. So we had a lot of experience meeting other people and seeing for myself, I think I had some experience to see what was the common thread of of sanity through all that. Because, man, there is a lot of insanity out there. (laughs) And you sometimes you're just stranded trapped like in a bathroom with it you know what i mean yeah i mean it did that kind of like totally wreck your perception of like i don't know even what it means to be a christian or like what faith looks like no i wouldn't say it wrecked it i would say it perfected it man i mean yeah. honestly dude there's a book by a guy named david dark it's called uh the sacredness of questioning everything there's nothing wrong with questioning truth truth will withstand any line of questioning Mm. and if you get out there and you get in the mix with people who are nuts (laughs) the truth is still going to stand up even in their face of their craziness i've been stuck in a place where i thought we're all going to get stabbed you know it's just certain things survive that and it's a common thread that goes all the way through it and those are the only things i have any interest in uh what i call contemporary uh, Christianity or American cultural Christianity, I think is probably more accurate. American cultural Christianity is useless to me and to anyone. You know, it's, there's no, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in Colossians. I'm going to get the quote wrong. It's Colossians two. I want to say, uh, you know, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle considering things which perish with the usage, you know, uh, such Strict behavior has the appearance of godliness, but in the end is of no value against the flesh, right? I probably butchered that. I'm sorry. But that's really where I'm at. I mean, that's, that's for me, that's, called, that's the bullshit flag. You raise that up, and it pretty much prevails over whatever dogmatic thing is over here, whatever cultural thing is over here. You know, all oh, these people can't understand why in the world I would not have uh you know a polo shirt on or why there are tattoos on my body and why i would wreck myself by doing this and doing that like i've experienced all that stuff man Mm -hmm. but then those people i can't just dismiss those people as being completely out because some of them are very sweet and very kind and very gentle and all those fruits of the spirit do come out in some ways you know some people not as well (laughs) but that includes me. I mean, I've been I've been the biggest jerk in the world, man. So I'm trying to remember that as I go along. And, and for me, that helps me just it's that co- constant 
sacred questioning, that trial by fire that burns off all the BS and leaves the only thing that's really valuable in the end. And that's really what I'm hoping for. One thing that uh, I try to keep in mind uh, is that, you know, typically people aren't out to be vindictive. You know, typically people aren't trying to just be complete buttholes, you know. Um, (laughs) I think think most people mean well. Um, Not that that means that anything that we do is fine and dandy, but uh, just kind of like giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I I know you were talking about it in a little bit of a different context, but actually uh, something that you said on your podcast um, a while back where you're saying, like, if you're in battle, you get shot with a cannon. You don't just go around to your buddies and say, like, <laughs> hey, I'm wounded. Did you did you see that guy? He shot me. You know, like, can you believe can that? Can you believe that guy? He shot me. Look at that thing. That's been a cool thing because actually, like, even you saying that on your podcast has come into play with a lot of conversations that I've had with friends. You know, I see a lot of hurting people just, like, in my day-to-day, you know, mm-hmm. um, people that don't know how to let things go. Um and uh, I mean, I've been there plenty of plenty of times myself. But I think that the big challenge that the church is was not prepared for for this era that we're in right now. I mean, you you say you got a lot of people who've who've who have, are hurting or who are having a difficult time. There are also a lot of people who are not hurting, who mm-hmm. are loving right now, yeah. right? Who are completely unaware of where they stand on an eternal level you know and the real trick especially in the current society we're in is finding a way to communicate that to them that will actually land on an eardrum and in my opinion the only way to do that is to stick with the scripture because it 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 has a power that does not return void you know Mm -hmm. uh but again it's you got people who are hurting you got people who don't know they're hurting and people who aren't hurting at all. Yeah. The one constant through all that, the only way to truly, really get to them is is the word of God. That's all you got. But you can't be adding stuff to that, right. trying to make it do this or do that. You know, the Bible is not a puppet for us to to march around and have it do what we want it to do. You know what I mean? It's the sword. It's it's a sword. It's for sticking, mm-hmm. chopping. What would you say is, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the most pervasive like misunderstandings about um, God in, I don't know, in our culture? Uh, I would say comfort, I think, is – there's somewhere along the line – I'm not trying to be political, man. But there's somewhere along the line we got it into our heads that preserving a life of comfort was preserving – was was the good fight, yeah, you know, uh, and this avoidance of of um, conflict and the avoidance of of persecution. These are not good things. This is nowhere do you find in the Bible where avoiding persecution is the is the good way, <laughs> right? Yeah, really. Tell you know what I mean. Where do you see uh, in along? Okay, here's a great example. In Acts, when the when the church is forming, it's just baby, and it's it's becoming its own thing. They're taking care of each other's needs, right? They're helping each other, but they nowhere does it say that they were sectioned off from the rest of the world and didn't talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have this weird thing where the perception from a lot of people is is that those are the Christians that are over there, and it, and it's true. 
We as Christian people are to come away from them, come apart from them. But that doesn't mean we, that doesn't that doesn't mean what we want it to mean. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it means in the world, but not of it. To come apart from it just means to not be of it. You're that doesn't mean you're not in it. You can't not be in it until you're no longer he- here. So, and and your duty while here, my duty while here, is to minister to the people that God has put into our lives, right? How are you going to do that if all the people that you're around aren't, are well? Yeah. You know, I mean, this is an old thing. It's, you've heard this in churches a yeah. hundred times, but we've, we dressed it up a different way. And then we mixed some politics in there with it, you know, throwing in every once in a while that this, this political person or that political person is out to get Christians. And the next thing you know, we're back in this like, bunker mentality and that's just not has nothing to do with the gospel man mm-hmm. yeah. and i i honestly believe that the 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 picture that the contemporary american church has given the world is one of uh keep out you know get cleaned up before you come in i mean you see these themes repeated over and over for generations I, but we just don't learn man that's just how we are mm-hmm. you know it's like we treat it like you know when Jesus was arrested in the uh, in the garden, as though he ended up fi- filing a lawsuit. Um. <laughs> right. right. I personally feel like uh, for a lot of people who have more of a hands-off approach, I feel like it comes from a place of not believing that you know greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. And through mm-hmm. that, like um, I was taught that like as a believer, like you know we control, like we're we're thermostats not thermometers and for that reason like because god's spirit lives in us like we control the climate of whatever situation we're in you know and by that like we automatically have like the influence there and i feel like it comes from like a lot of people just being afraid of broken people sure of course not not knowing what exactly to do with that when you know we're supposed to do what jesus did with us like, you know, love them where they're at is not your place to change their hearts. It's my place. Oh, like, you, man. Know, you be obedient I, and I'll follow through and I'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at like uh, homosexuality in the church and gay marriage. and all, Like, like, why are we even talking about that ever? Why is yeah. that ever even a conversation? When uh, my, my girlfriend, I, I love the way that she put it, you know, like we, we got into that talk a while ago and uh the one thing that she brought up was just like, um, what I care most about is like, how am I going to treat that person? Um, exactly. And uh, and I, and do I actually trust God to actually, you know, to do a work in their life? You know, it's, there it is. It, it's like you just said, you know, can, the thermostat versus the thermometer. I mean, our job is not to get them cleaned up and come on in. Our job is to love them so much that they want to come in. Mm hmm. You know, to show them that the kindness that they may not see from anywhere else on this planet, and and, and that should con- should compel them and and draw them to the fire. Why do people come around the fire, man, to get warm, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's so give get them warm, break out some blankets. I I just feel like we could do so much more if we just simplify and and and. Quit worrying about all this other stuff on the outside and and just approach people on the level. Remember that God is the one who did any controlling, any changing, any growth, 
any perfection by fire in your life, in your life. None of you, neither of you guys cleans yourselves up. Yeah. God cleans you both up, right? That's so true. Yeah, so so Mark, for you, uh, were there times in the past uh, that you were kind of, I don't know, it had that mindset of get yourself cleaned up before coming to God? Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, you should listen to some of those old Crucified lyrics. Yeah. Whoa. I haven't listened Yikes. to too much of the Crucified, honestly. Uh, Stavesacre, really familiar with. But. See, Stavesacre's, half of the Stavesacre catalog is about, <laughs> it's about, in a way, looking at some of those old lyrics and going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, what's the old Stephen King metaphor like the waves coming in and out from the pier when when the tide is out all them barnacles are just <laughs> poking right out there right so for me there was like <laughs> like literally about five or six years during the transition out of the crucified where I lost my mind into a new life in, in Stavesacre and coming to terms with my faith on a different level where every morning or sometimes right before I went to sleep, that's even worse. Uh, the tide goes out, barnacles are showing and I go, Oh my gosh, I said that from the stage or Oh my God, I said that while I was living like this, right? I, I pointed these, all these fingers. Meanwhile, there was sin in the camp. You know that phrase, sin in mm -hmm. the camp. Keep losing all them battles, why? Somebody's got some sin buried in the tent back there. That was me, dude. And, and at some point, man, every once in a while, you just kind of like, oh no. Yeah, I got to work on that one. And so Stavesacre was a lot of, of going back on some of those old ways of thinking and going, hey, dude, this, I can't be this anymore. I mean, we had some of that even in The Crucified. We had a song called Back to the Cross that's a straight up, it's like the most arrogant song ever. <laughs> yeah. And it basically makes like faithfulness to Christ into some sort of like badge of honor in a pride thing like that's freaking gross bro that is gross i don't want i don't i don't need any more of that i got plenty of gross in my life already i'm good i truly believe that that i am a stubborn ox okay and and sometimes man i just i just don't see it and i, I a little bit of me gotta die before i see it you know mm -hmm. and what would you say is like one of the biggest ways that you've uh I guess your perception of God has changed, uh, maybe even in recent years. Uh, I would say, I don't know about my perception of God, except that I've come to appreciate sovereignty a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't understand it all the way, at all. But somehow that makes a whole lot more sense than anything else, and I, I can't explain that. Don't have to. The sovereignty of God is just too consistently bittersweet for me to believe that it's anything less, if that makes any sense, mm. you know? <laughs> you know, I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in any of that jive. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. 
the the eternal balance is no way it could be paid back you know there has to be some some once and for all payment and that to me is clearly uh, Christ and 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 the crucifixion and resurrection that's the one price that actually claims to have paid all the bills so to speak you know that fitting into the sovereign picture of God is a beautiful and blessed thing. Appreciation of grace and and why am I a Christian? Why am I going to heaven? Why am I walking the path? Why do I have fellowship with God? Because of the grace of God, nothing more. There's no other reason mm -hmm. for it. That's know? the greatest foundation right there. That's that's one that's not going anywhere. Like even I on your greatest day or your worst day, like it's always constant. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I believe that, man. I mean, there's just there's just so much there's so many ways you can hurt yourself and hurt other people out there. You can it always looks good to operate from a place of grace first and and save yourself some heartache, you know. So so how do you see the sovereignty of God? Like if you were to put it into words. Um I see it as in uh, this was I just got recently got clobbered in a debate because I'm not very good at debating. Yeah, I, it's just never gonna be. Neither am and I. I'm actually, actually going to do. I'm gonna one of one of the never was shows is going to be. We're going to go over the debate with a couple guys who I think are incredible theologians, and show all the ways that I screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'll be kind of fun. But um, for me, the sovereignty of God is one of simplicity and of of an of a. It's a very uncomfortable theme. But it's the only thing that makes any sense is that if there is anything right or wrong in the universe, there has to be a determining a, a determining authority that says that is the good and that is the bad. Mm -hmm. And without that, nothing else makes sense. So with that in mind, if God is who the Bible claims him to be, he is that being that exists outside of time, outside of our morality. He is the definer of right and wrong. So what he determines to be good is good. What he says is evil is evil. And that is the end of it. It's really not up for debate. It's really not uh, subject to the whims of, of society that are constantly changing and the different moral waves and tides that come in and out, it's, it's consistent and remains. And that I trust. And, and as a result, I see that as a picture of the sovereignty of God. Whatever is going to happen was willed by him. Whether you like it or not is irrelevant. And, and there is some comfort in that for me. Mm -hmm. you know? And some people might say, well, well, what about the people who don't go to heaven? That, I understand that question. I don't know the answer to it, but what I would re 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 return that question with is, okay, you're concerned about the people who aren't going to go to heaven. What about you? Where are you at? Mm. How do you respond to that? Let's work on that first, and then we'll work on anybody else later. Uh, the, the one thing that comes to mind with what you were saying about like God defining right and wrong, like how many, how many of us kind of like subscribe to, you know, what's, what's popular in Christian circles as far as like, what the quote unquote church says is, you know, right or wrong. It's just like yeah. none of none of that matters, you know, like no. what, how quick we are to to just like be like, oh, that's kinda like what's going on in 
quote unquote American Christianity. So let's just kind of like see it through that lens instead of recognizing that, yeah, God's the only authority on that, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, we, human beings, man, we love our, we love things to just, we love to have a figure to see, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Christian people, we, we, we tend to fall into that, you know, it's, I think it's largely an American cultural thing too. Yeah. We're, we're used to heroes, yeah. you know, and, um, that's our folklore. And, so we, we, you know, we like to have a person to tie it all up with who, who we can touch and hug, who can come along and, and, and put a comforting hand on our shoulder. But, you know, it, that's a, that is a weakness that we are slowly, hopefully being purged of. It's, it's yeah, the, life is tough and life is brutal, but th- there is so much freedom and peace once you finally put a little bit of weight on the faith branch, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I'm not. I'm no philosopher, man. I'm way better when I can just sit down and write on a piece of paper. But that's where I'm at, you know. Yeah. I feel. I feel like our faith is useless unless we're putting some weight on it, unless we're really, truly exercising it. And until that happens, you're never going to experience what it means to enjoy the sovereignty of God rather than constantly fear it. Yeah. You know, for me before, before like really coming to know Jesus, that was something I constantly feared like all the time. Like, you know, like the fact that, you know, God doesn't even, he can just kill me right away. Like, you know, what use is my <laughs> life then at that point? If God, you know, if he doesn't need any of us and like, I began to fear that. And like in the eyes of God, I began to kind of see myself as insignificant and because of that, like, you know, I lived my life and made very insignificant choices and lesser choices. But um, yeah. as I was growing, man, and as God was revealing more and more of himself to me, I began to find more rest in the fact that now God's sovereignty works for me and not against me now. So I'm able, <laughs> actually able to rest in things that before, like, I would just would keep me up at night. I've said it before, man. The sovereignty of God is a double-edged sword. It can cut against you, but it can also cut for you, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, just let stop getting in its way. Is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Just get out of the way. One thing that we talk about a lot is just like the invitation, you know, like uh, to be a like a part of what what God's doing, um, and just like uh, yeah, we can choose to to be for that or to kind of kick against it. Um, but when we're for it, yeah, we're totally, you know, in the sovereignty of God when we're against it, you know, he lovingly corrects us. And sometimes that's a kick to the balls and it hurts like crap, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's great. Great. In the end, if we, uh, I don't know, trust that he has our best in mind. You mean getting kicked in the balls is not good. That's not, that's not supposed to happen. I mean, it usually doesn't feel the greatest, but I <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not into the velvet rope thing, the constant coddling to keep yeah. you off off of the off of the treacherous parts of the path. But I I I do respect the rod, you know. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and I respect the gentle hand. I mean, dude, there have been plenty of times, if I'm honest with myself, where I know God was already putting on my heart, do not go there. Yeah. Do not go there. And then you get out there and down comes the rod and you're like, what's up? You know, and you realize like, hey, man, I've told you, I tried to get you off of this thing 15 times already and you're still out there. 
at some point you're gonna hurt yourself. I gotta, I gotta give you, I gotta give you the hook. I think it's usually uh, not like necessarily punishment, but just like the natural consequence of our actions. You know, and even even if it is punishment, punishment is not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Punishment is healthy. It's grace, is, man. What do you do when you're at the gym? You punish your body, okay? Yeah. And that's that's what you do. You're you're strengthening yourself. You're challenging yourself. We have definitely gotten to a place in our culture where we're we're not only afraid of that, we we villainize punishment, you know. And I I want to I hope we can get off of that soon. Mm-hmm. Cuz you know, it doesn't make us any stronger. Yeah, I find most of the time like, the father does all of his best work in us through like through the grinder, you know. <laughs> and as weird as it seems, like you know, uh, Matt Chandler was reaching recently preaching a sermon I was listening to, and uh, through that he said like you know embracing the process of like uh, sanctification, and that usually ninety nine point nine percent of it happens through suffering, and no matter what part of your spiritual walk you're in whether you're a newcomer if you've been walking faithfully with the lord for years like there's no way we can opt out of that there's no level of leadership you can go to no level of like works that you can do to opt yourself out of that but like through that if you embrace the process and actually see what the lord is trying to do most of the times inside of your own heart rather than changing situations you begin to actually see like a bigger picture and a brighter lens of like who he actually is and how sufficient he actually is you know I agree a hundred percent. I mean, man, every great lesson I ever learned hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't tell you the last time I was already on the right page and someone went, Hey man, great job. You were already there. I, I honestly don't remember when that was. But I can definitely remember the last time I took a dive over the edge and the hook came down, you know? I remember that vividly. Those are the lessons that that stay with me for my whole life, you know, and I I certainly hope that it remains so. I know I have plenty of times where like in those moments, I even like have the mindset of like, God, I don't know why this stuff is coming against me, you know, like assuming that it's not from him. The victim mentality. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, sometimes I can see where it's coming from because you... You don't recognize a trial for a trial. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you're just like, wow, this wild shit's happening to me right now, and I don't like it. You know? <laughs> um, but every once in a while, we catch wind of what's going on, you know? And sometimes, man, and I hate to say this, it's so funny. Uh, sometimes you're never going to know, dude. You're just never yeah. going to know what the lesson was. Sometimes it's not about you. And it's, it's hilarious to me to hear, like, a non-believer mock that as as if it's some sort of like cop out to me it's like dude you don't care about anything <laughs> i mean there is no lessons in life there is no moral to the story so for you it's just like man survival of the fittest try and try and keep your head up i i don't i don't see how that's all that great i don't see how that's all that comforting or all that more challenging to me it's just like it just to me just sounds like why try, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I haven't met a smart enough atheist. <laughs> That's kind of a shitty thing to say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, dude, that debate. Oh, I can't wait to revisit it. The guy I'm going to be re- revisiting it with is 
is incredible. And I'm so, dude, I'm like nervous. My stomach hurts thinking about going back. Cause there's a couple times when the debate, and it's still in my head, like the dude's still in my freaking head right now. While <laughs> so, so what was like the context of the debate? Was it like for your podcast or? No, it was for pastor with no answers. Oh, okay. Uh, Joey from uh, bad Christian. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I love Joey, but he's not a debate moderator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was even sitting right there in the second hour in particular, sitting in the middle of the second hour, not feeling like I'm being heard and getting tunnel vision, getting the battle shakes and, and thinking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? You know, well, I think the end result of this absolute face plant is going to be awesome. You know? Yeah. And you might never even see it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, but I, I think I will because I'll be the one experiencing it. <laughs> yeah. I hope. <laughs> it's one thing that, uh, you know, like I do, I do spoken word poetry a bit. And uh, one thing that I've written about a few times is just like how we get in trouble with like our search for answers, you know? Um, we toss around like the everything happens for a reason phrase like crazy. Cause I mean, like it's good in theory, but uh, like for me, when I was going through my divorce a couple years ago, I, I had people say that and I was just like, that's not helping, you know? And, and not only, <laughs> not only that, but like, yeah, if, if there is a reason, you know, like I might never see it, you know? Um, Here's a question for that guy who said that to you. I don't know the circumstances of your divorce, but the, for the dude who says, Hey man, everything happens for a reason. Your, your, your reply could be, so what is the reason that I'm choking you right now? Why am I, <laughs> what is the lesson in life you're going to learn here? Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yeah. We, we recite these things to try to make people feel better. Yeah. Because some, some you know, snake oil salesman told us that that was going to make people feel better when you said that shit. And that's just <laughs> cultural programming. It's nonsense. You know, the, I want the real stuff, man. I want to believe that there is a, a purpose there, but I, what I really need to know is that someone's going to be there to put me to, you know, to hold me in, in one piece Yeah, you know, and get me through the tough times. I don't know. Like it was obviously, you know, really heart wrenching time and everything, but I had a few friends just be here and say like, dude, this sucks, you know? Yeah. And like that meant far more than actually trying to be a comfort, you know? Um, yeah. and that's one thing that I come back to a lot is that, you know, like when I'm trying to be comforting to somebody, it usually just sucks. But when I'm just trying to be present with somebody, you know, because I love them, you know, that's usually yeah. when there's, you know, maybe not like a tangible difference, but I'm just kind of like, that was right to do, you know, it was right to just yeah, like man. love them in that moment, you know, and not just, everything has, not everything follows a by numbered thing as much as we would like that. You know, yeah. sometimes you just need a, you just, that's why God gave us friends and family and you know yeah. fellowship it's just like it's necessary yeah that dude that's why i wrote that you know the stage song gold and silver came as a result of that exact thing i have no idea what to say to you right now i gotta say something though yeah i, I have to try to help my friend who's hurting you know mm-hmm. yeah um the, the way i see it is like uh almost like we each see like a puzzle piece you know in our lives and every once in a great while God will kind of open our eyes up to like where a couple piece, pieces fit together. And to me, sure. that always blows my mind. I had one night a few years ago when I was just like laying in bed and uh, 
I don't know, just kind of like all this stuff flooded into my mind where like God connected like this piece from my childhood to then, you know, like, um, and just showing me like things that I thought about myself as a kid, like how he kind of like redeemed that and like changed my attitude. And those weren't things that I ever realized before, but it was just kind of like in that moment, those pieces fit together and it just really changed a lot for me. But like, but those we try moments are beautiful, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which it's awesome when he does that. But like the problem is when we don't trust his sovereignty and we try to like find the connections ourselves or uh, try to look for answers so much that we just come up empty and uh, try to give people bullcrap answers to make them feel better. Well, yeah, dude, that's that's uh, that's our lack of patience. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Hey, listen, man, speaking of patience, my wife has been patient with me. I'm, I'm probably going to have to wrap this up, fellas. Uh, right on. My dog's losing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. Um, thanks so much for sitting down with us, man. Um, Absolutely. If, uh, uh, if anyone wants to check out your podcast or your music, uh, where should they go? Uh, they can go to ineverwas.com. You know, that's the website. You can uh, you can find all the episodes on there. We're also on iTunes, just the Never Was podcast, and then um, you know all of our music is in various forms. You know iTunes, Spotify, all of that stuff. Every band I've ever had anything to do with is around somewhere. And if you listen to Never Was, you'll probably hear most of them. Thanks so much, Mark. Hey, thank you so much for your time, gentlemen. Yeah, you thank you too, man. Up there. We'll definitely be in contact, dude. Enjoy your balmy winter. Absolutely, yeah. enjoy the warmth. <laughs> I won't. I won't. <laughs> All right, then. Later, brother. I think I love, like, how through, like, his own personal life experiences and the things that he's been through, like, seeing the fact that the questions that he was asking in those times, like, God is constantly showing himself through. And I love the fact that he said, like, you know, don't be afraid to question truth because if truth is really truth, it won't be afraid of your questions. It, w it should be able to stand past your questioning. So, Kelvin, question for you when it comes to being open to questioning, yet trusting the sovereignty of God, uh, where do you find the balance there? My rest, first of all, comes with the fact that, you know, I don't have to know everything to be seen right before the eyes of God by simply trusting in him. Like, you know, I find my righteousness. Mm. So, like, I don't find myself like over the top trying to question everything that comes into my life and trying to get down to the bottom of it. But I've having proven to myself like plenty of times, man, like through my life and through what God has done that um, he's revealed things to me in time about questions that I've had, had in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, he quite he answers his questions in his timing. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. And as me being an impatient person, it sucked a lot at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, when when the pieces, like, as you said, were put together, dude, it was a, it was a beautiful picture. Mm. And, like, you know, I, I really wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, it, it's okay. It's cool to question, but understand, too, like, you know, there is a source. There is answers. Mm. Don't just let your questions be questions. Uh, it's like Bernstorff says, like, you know, you know, sitting around speculating whether or not an action will have an effect is the only way that it surely won't. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been taught to, quote unquote, just have faith um, and to just trust God um, and not to question. And Mark alluded to that a little bit with, uh, you know, the dogmatic churches that he was a part of as a kid, um, where I see a lot of value in questioning 
but having faith in God's sovereignty at the same time. Yeah. And there's a balance there, just like you were saying, you know, like trusting that God does know where the pieces fit and uh, having open eyes to see it when he does reveal it, but at the same time, not being discouraged and wrecked when he doesn't show us how they fit. Yeah. So that's kind of a tough balance to strike, I feel like, but so freeing. And Dude, in and, so many ways. And like through that, like you have the peace on your side of knowing that, I mean, anyone who's ever lived long enough understands that the questions that they want to answer, they probably weren't ready for the answers in the time they asked the questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, truth be told, as you live and as you grow, you begin to see from a whole different lens, like, you know, the beauty of having your answers, like, patiently given to you at a time where your heart's ready to receive them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to check out any of Mark's old bands, um, he was in The Crucified, he was in Neon Horse, he was in White Lighters, Dave Zaker. Uh, his podcast is Never Was, it's at ineverwas.com. He wrote a book called Simplicity, which I definitely recommend. And it's a very, very honest book about his life and more detailed about what he's been through. Um, great read. So um, if you want to listen to what he has going on, I think you'll definitely dig it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your time. If you want to check out anything more, letgoddie.com. We have a support page for uh, any donations if anyone wants to make them and uh, have videos up on the site. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Later, guys.
Carry him. 